0: Hello, and welcome to Next Reads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. The North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. This podcast might contain language or situations some listeners might find offensive or unsettling. Now on the show. I am your host, Erin, Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her. Welcome, listeners. So for this week, we are going to read a young adult book called Hollow Fires by Samira Ahmed. And Samira is a New York Times bestselling author. She wrote Internment, Love, Hate, and Other Filters, So you might be familiar with some of her other work. All right. You never forget the first time you see a dead body. Sophia Mirza dreams of becoming a journalist. And one thing she's learned as editor of her school newspaper is that a journalist's job is to find the facts and not let personal biases affect the story. But all that changes the day she finds the body of a murdered boy. Jawad Ali was 14 years old when he built a cosplay jetpack that a teacher mistook for a bomb, a jetpack that got him arrested, labeled a terrorist, and eventually killed. But he's more than a dead body and more than, quote, bomb boy. He was a person with a life worth remembering. Guided throughout her investigation by Jawad's haunting voice, Sophia seeks to tell the whole truth about the murdered boy and those who killed him because of their hate-based beliefs. So... We are kind of on a spooky season theme for the month of October. The book I read last week was about werewolves. This book is not necessarily about the supernatural per se, but there are chapters that are written in the voice of Jawad the Dead Boy. So there is a little bit of ghosty themes, but remember that the truer meaning and what I want people to take away from this book is more about hate crimes, less about ghosts. But it does make an interesting way to tell a story. Okay, so with that being said, there's a little poem at the beginning by A. E. Hostman from a Shrop lad. Now hollow fires burn out to black, and lights are guttering low. Square your shoulders, lift your pack, and leave your friends and go. Oh, never fear, man, knots to dread. Look not left nor right. In all the endless road you tread, there's nothing but the night. Okay, and then the next page has some titles that are crossed out. So Catalog of Truths, which is crossed out. Taxonomy of Lies, which is crossed out glossary of intangible things which is not crossed out so there's some definitions fact something that has a concrete provable existence an actual occurrence an objective reality alternative fact a disguised falsehood presented as true see orwell comma george doublethink the simultaneous acceptance of two mutually contradictory quote facts without a sense of conflict or cognitive dissonance. Truth, equality or state in accordance with reality, the actual or true state of nature of a person, place, thing or event, fidelity, honesty. Lie, a false or misleading impression, a deception you tell yourself so you can sleep at night. Part one, the past is prologue. Sophia, June 1st, 2023. Fact, the dead can't speak. Truth. Sometimes the dead whisper to you in the quiet. Don't let them forget I was here once, alive, young. I was like you. I believed I would live forever. You never forget the first time you see a dead body. It was warmish for a Chicago winter if the temperature hovering around freezing is warm. In Chicago it is. There was the sickly sweet smell of rotting leaves that had fallen from trees, mixing with mud, never totally drying up before the first snow. The odor filled the air around the sloping embankments of a crumbling stone culvert that was lined with steel. The pipe was hidden by overgrown limp grass, deep in Jackson Park, in the part where no one ever goes because there are stories of ghosts and Mothman sightings. It's not the restored part of the park, the blooming Japanese garden, the shiny metal sculpture of giant petals, the bike paths, and the Illinois prairie popping with blue cornflowers. It's the neglected area by the abandoned arched bridge that leads to nowhere. No one ever went there because there was absolutely nothing to see until the time there was. The first thing I saw was a shoe, a charcoal covered canvas sneaker. It was damp and there was a curved winter salt stain along its side where the shoe had gotten wet and then dried and another higher water mark, then another like the rings in a tree trunk that tell you how old a tree was How long it lived before it was cut down. A passing of time. Three rings of storms. Three rings of floods. Weathering them all alone. I remember thinking that canvas sneakers were not a good footwear choice. They weren't warm enough, even for a mild winter day. Your feet would be cold. It was too wet. Silly, Sophia. The cold and wet don't matter if you're dead. That's when I should have stopped. Right there, right then. Literally, in my tracks, called the police, moved backward and not forward into a crime scene. Would have saved me a lecture from the police. Would have saved me from the image etched forever in my mind. Would have saved me. Period. But I didn't stop. Couldn't. I'd made a promise to a dead boy, and I was going to see it through. I could say it was solely the hodgepodge of clues and half baked theories that had led me there. Or my desire for justice or my needling curiosity that my friend Asma called nosiness. But I'm not that good a liar. There was a voice, his voice, the voice of a dead boy. I didn't want to believe it, but it was there, pulling me forward, reeling me in, asking me to find the true story and to tell it. I shined my light into the steel-lined culvert. The shoe belonged to a body that led to a face I'll never forget. When you see a dead body, you freeze, a layer of ice forming under your skin. You stare one second longer, too long, and that ice shatters, and the truth of what you're seeing cuts you in a million places. The body you're looking at was a person who lived and breathed and was part of this world. And even though your brain can't form a single clear thought, one idea burrows its way into your bones. This body, this person, is now part of you, forever. Not merely the memory of those empty dark brown eyes, or their crooked blue fingers, or the rigidness of their jaw half open in a silent scream. No, it's not what they looked like that you never forget, even though you never forget that either. It's that they never leave you. They are a part of your air, your sweat, the blackness behind your eyes when you tried to sleep. They were young, too young, and now their too few memories are yours to protect, to hold. Their entire life was a beginning rush to an end. They never got a middle, They never got the heart of their story. At first you ignore it, the echo, but it never goes away. It's quieter at times, the voice, and then louder, pleading, plaintive, angry. Sometimes it doesn't feel like a metaphor. Sometimes the voice sounds like your own. I'm more than lawyers' exhibits presented at trial. I'm more than the stenographer's click-clack. I'm more than the sum of small facts. I'm more than a body. My journalism ethics professor tells me that I can't report on this story. I'm too close, even now, 16 months after I found the body. He says my job is solely to find the verifiable, immutable facts. But those facts don't give you the whole story. They don't distill the truth of how it all happened, or why it was him, of why it was me, of what we owe the dead, or how one death can change the way you look at the entire world. Some facts barely scratch the surface of the truth. Some facts obscure it. Some facts are lies. Some lies are necessary. One fact that is the truth? Jawad Ali was 14 years old when he was killed, and I'm the one who found him. One day he was a ninth grader. Then he was accused of being a terrorist. Then he was murdered. This isn't my story to tell, not exactly, but I'm here trying to gather the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Tugging at tangled threads of memory while the jury is still out. I could claim to be objective, but that would be a lie. And lies are what got us here in the first place. So then this next page is from the News Crunch online magazine. October 20th, 2021. Muslim team arrested on suspicion of terrorism for bringing homemade jetpack to school. When Jawad Ali arrived at school Tuesday morning, he was excited to show off a cosplay jetpack he'd put together in an after-school class. But things didn't go exactly as he hoped. His English teacher mistook the costume accessory for a bomb and alerted administrators who called the Chicago Police Department. In the transcript of the 911 call released by the police, English teacher Patricia Jensen can be heard frantically describing Ali as, quote, an Arab student who was wearing, quote, something like a suicide bomber vest. We'd been working on building new things from scraps and discarded items in the makerspace, Ali, the son of Iraqi refugees, told reporters after he was cleared and released from custody. So when I finished the jetpack over the weekend, I was super excited to show it to my teachers and the other kids, even though it wasn't Halloween yet. He continued, I'm sad my English teacher thought I'd bring a bomb to school. Maybe she thought I was a terrorist because of my religion or because I'm Arab American. Why couldn't she see me as a good student though, a good kid? Chicago Police Department spokesperson Jim Leary told reporters, Police attempted to question the juvenile multiple times, but all he kept saying was that it wasn't real. He declined to give further details. Ali was taken into custody to ascertain that he wasn't, quote, a sleeper taught to blend in or distract, Leary went on to say. Upon the teen's release, the police said he would not be charged with any crime for bringing a suspicious object to school. Commander Philip McCarthy said Ali should have been, quote, more transparent and forthcoming rather than repeatedly describing the device as a jetpack. McCarthy continued, the department is cognizant of his age and at this time will not be charging him with any crimes, including a possible felony count of planting a hoax bomb. Ali is pleased he was cleared of all charges, but remains suspended from school until Friday. I don't get it, he said. If the police cleared me, why can't I go back to school? I have an algebra test this week. So then the next section is told by Jawad as a ghost. I made a jet pack, and they killed me for it. It wasn't even real. It was plastic and tubes, glue and paint. I wanted to be a steampunk inventor for Halloween because I'd seen this awesome old anime called Steamboy Boy about a kid who, lit, who liked to tinker and create stuff, kind of like me. In 5th grade, some of the kids started calling me Contraption Kid because I loved inventing things. Because someone gave me a stick of gum, two paper clips, and a string, and I invented a tool to sneak starbursts out of the bowl on the attendant secretary's desk. It definitely wasn't as quick and easy as walking by and pocketing a candy when her head was turned, but it was way more fun. She only bought the original flavors. That was fine by me because orange was my favorite anyway. I wish I could taste orange now. I wish I could taste anything. For our elementary school engineering contest, I made a bridge out of popsicle sticks and tape that held 150 pennies, 20 pennies more than anyone else's. The trick was to turn the bridge upside down to hold the cup of pennies to work against its natural bend. I got a ribbon for it and won a book about how to make cool stuff out of recyclables called Hey, Don't Throw It Away. My parents were so proud. Baba always used to say that flipping your thinking was sometimes the best way to come up with an answer to a tough problem. Building that bridge was the first time I understood what he meant. My dad used to say a lot of stuff that went over my head. Then this fall, right after I started ninth grade, the physics teacher organized an after-school book club in the makerspace where we could work on our own projects. When I decided I wanted to build a jetpack for my costume, Miss Ellis was totally into it. Recycle, reuse, repurpose, she'd always say. She knew exactly what I was doing, saw my sketch, and approved it. We'd been taking apart old electronics, like radios and TVs with dials and antennas, and Ms. Ellis said I could use any materials I could salvage. I was so excited. I took the whole project home to finish two weeks before Halloween. My jet pack turned out so cool. I built it from two empty plastic soda bottles that I turned upside down and glued together, then linked with black plastic tubes, the stretchy kind you sometimes see on a vacuum. I added a TV knob and a dial from an old radio that had numbers from 88 to 108. Its little needle was stuck on 96. I glued the whole thing to a ripped backpack I found in the trash. I painted the pieces bronze and silver with leftover paint Baba kept in our building's basement. The same colors we used to upcycle the old pink bike our neighbor gave me when I was seven and we didn't have money to buy a new one. I couldn't wait for Halloween to show Ms. Ellis the jetpack, so I took it in early. She loved it. Being creative takes courage, she told me. Never forget that. She had that look in her eyes that teachers sometimes get when you surprise them in a good way. I had the jetpack with me in English class, but when Ms. Jensen saw it, she said it looked like a bomb. I thought she was joking at first. I mean, it was painted soda bottles. I didn't even know what a real bomb looked like, but she kind of freaked out. Not the yelling kind of freaked out, the real quiet kind, the kind that's so much scarier. Her face turned gray and she started stepping away from me. I shrugged and headed to my next class. They walked me out of the school door on a bright October day in handcuffs, hands behind my back like I was a criminal. I told them over and over that it was a jet pack for my Halloween costume, but it was like they didn't understand English. I was trying so hard not to cry. All I kept thinking, kept saying was, it's not real, it's a jet pack. It's not real, it's not real, please. Kids were in the hallway taking pictures, live streaming, whispering. I thought that was the worst day of my life. Turned out, I was dead wrong. So that is the end of the first part. I hope you found that chapter intriguing enough to check it out. And if not, there's always another book just waiting to be discovered. I will have some read-alikes in the show notes for books with similar themes. And yeah, I think this is going to be a really good one. Join me next time for another Next Reads. Thanks!